This is episode 24 of the Higher Christian Life broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. Today, we'll begin looking at the last of the three truths that must be believed in order to experience the higher Christian life. These truths we're looking at speak of the character of God and also, especially today, of our need to let him both make us holy and, as hard as it seems sometimes, keep us holy in his sight. But sometimes we sin, sometimes we fail, and sometimes we don't keep the commitments or promises we make to others or to ourselves or even to the Lord. So how does our failure fit into the idea of it being God's job to not only make us holy, but to keep us holy? Like it says in Jude 24, now to him who is able, which speaks of his ability, to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That seems impossible, doesn't it? But it's not. And we'll begin to understand why it's not impossible as we look deeper into the higher Christian life together. Today, we're going to be looking at the last of these three truths that must be believed in order to experience the higher Christian life. And as I shared with you in the intro, these truths speak of the character of God and our need to let him both make us holy and, again, it's sometimes it's hard to conceive in our mind, keep us holy in his sight. Remember, Jude 24 states that he is able to keep you from stumbling. So his ability is not in question. And as we've looked at before, 1 Corinthians 1.30 further reveals that Jesus became for us, among other things, sanctification. He became for us because we are in him sanctification or holiness. So he is what he desires us to be. I mean, it seems simple enough, but how does knowing what he can do keep us from stumbling, and knowing what we have done, our failures and our sin and our stumbling, reconcile with each other? And how do these two statements about Christ, two statements of who he is and what he's able to do, relate to the importance of our absolute, abject, total dependence on him? These are some questions we're going to look at today, but before we do, before we even address these questions, let's begin with just a quick review of what we hopefully already know about these three key truths and their importance to the higher Christian life. If you remember them, number one, states you must believe God is able. In other words, he possesses the power and ability to keep you from falling or faltering in your life of holiness. We've talked about earlier, keep you from stumbling can, can mean your salvation, eternal security, but it also definitely means your sanctification, that he's able to keep you from faltering or stumbling or failing in your life of holiness. Before we begin, you have to settle that in your mind once and for all. And if it seems impossible with you, you must come to faith and understand, according to Luke one thirty-seven, that there is nothing with God impossible for him, even in your life. And this is especially true of him being able to keep us from stumbling, you from stumbling. Yes, even me and even you. 
truth number two, you must remove from your mind completely, categorically, all doubt and fear that he is not willing to keep you from stumbling. In other words, you have to make this personal. You can't say, well, he'll keep those people from stumbling, those people that are better than I am, more worthy than I am, those people that I like better than I like me, but for some reason, I have this unpardonable sin that he always looks down on me like a child he really didn't want, and so therefore, he may keep others from stumbling. The promises of the abundant life may apply to others, but not to me. You have to purge that from your mind. Of course he's willing. I mean, that's what a good God does. That's what a good father does. And think about it. Nobody, especially God, would command you, for example, 1 Peter 1.16, to be holy as I am holy, and then not give you any means to obey his command. That's a recipe for frustration. Nobody does that. You don't do that, and neither does God. Number two, you must remove from your mind all doubt and fear that he is not willing to keep you from stumbling. He is. And number three, and this is the one we're going to begin talking about today, just begin. You must learn, and it is a learning process, to commit yourself in total dependence to the Lord for safekeeping. In other words, it's his job to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It's his job to fulfill Jude 24 and not yours. His job. And as I've shared with you before, he is not only willing to bring you across the finish line, but if you can't make it on your own, he's also able and willing to carry you across the finish line if necessary. So we must learn to trust him to finish what he began in us, because it's for his glory. No matter how we feel, no matter how things look, no matter what our self-image is, remember, whatever the need is, he can and he will and he is able to meet that. He will keep you from stumbling. Now, once that's settled in our mind, the problem is that if we don't stay focused on him, we run into the drudgery, the pain and suffering of this everlasting treadmill kind of spiritual life. Think of like a rat on a treadmill in a cage, running and running and running and exerting themselves every day and going nowhere. If you're not careful, this is how your spiritual life will end up as you try to achieve the higher Christian life in your own strength. Let me explain. You and I both know in our own experience that fellowship with God is something that can quickly fade away. It's not something that just maintains itself. It's something that takes work. A simple sin, uh, an impure thought, jealousy or anger or lust or pride or an outburst or, or you name it, you know what you struggle with in your life. And as soon as it happens, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you remember the game of shoots and ladders when we were kids, we inadvertently land on square 87, which is so close, just 13 squares away from winning. And we hit that long slide that brings us all the way down to slide 24, where we're sitting there saying, well, how did that happen? And I was so close to winning, and now I've got to start all over again, only this time I'm going to try even harder. 
This is what happens in our spiritual life when we feel that we've grieved him, but instead of realizing who he is and what the Holy Spirit does in us, we just try to work harder on that treadmill to somehow win his approval again. I mean, when that happens to us and we end up on square 24 instead of square 87, so close to winning the game, what do we do? Well, we just try harder. But harder at what? And this is where the problem lies. Because unfortunately, many of us assume that our intimacy with the Lord or this higher Christian life was somehow earned or obtained by our own efforts to live a holy life. And now that we're back down at square number 24, we naturally just commit to doing what we think caused us to live the higher Christian life in the first place by just trying harder to live a holy life. But we're doing this in the flesh. And somehow we think that we'll recapture this fellowship with the Lord by just serving him more and loving him more and worshiping him more and praying more and reading our Bible more. And so we commit to witnessing more and and giving more and, and just more, 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 which is not a bad thing. But it is if we're doing this to obtain favor from God and not doing this because we already have the love and acceptance and favor of God. We get back on this treadmill of works, hoping to somehow earn a renewed fellowship with him or a revived holiness in ourselves until we find ourselves exhausted and frustrated and quite honestly close to despair and wanting to give up. You know you've been there before. I try and I try and I try and nothing seems to work. No matter how hard I try, no matter how many spiritual good things I add to my life, I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to take care of my kids better. I'm going to do all the good things that I should be doing that I'm not doing in order to feel acceptance from the Lord, but I can't. Because we cannot obtain, listen very carefully, we cannot obtain by our works something that is only given to us by faith. And this is where we often fail, trying to earn something that is given to us as a gift. Now, don't get me wrong. Praying more, reading your Bible more, loving more, witnessing more, worshiping more, all those things are marvelous but not if they come from the flesh to earn God's approval, but only if they come from the Spirit as a response to his approval. Let let me give you an example dealing with our salvation and maybe hopefully make this clearer. We only received a salvation when we realized that there was nothing we could do to atone for our own sin. I mean, we tried and failed. We went to church and and it just didn't work. We tried to quit drinking and quite, tried to quit cussing and tried to not have impure thoughts and, and tried to fight hard against our sin in the hopes that somehow God would see our effort and reward our effort and say, boy, you're a really good God. I want you on my team. We tried and failed. We tried again, only we tried harder this time. Once again, we failed, only we failed harder. And eventually, I know this is true in my own life, I quit. I quit trying. And I finally gave up. And I realized that there was nothing I could do to earn salvation. There was nothing I could do to atone for my sin. So what did I do? I surrendered myself to Christ. 
and I accepted and received his sacrifice for my sin on his terms, and therefore received as a gift of grace, forgiveness, reconciliation, and eternal life. And this was appropriated to us, not by works, no matter how good they may seem. Praying and reading the Bible and witnessing to others and going on mission trips. But it was appropriated to us by faith. Now, we all understand that about salvation. But the higher Christian life is received the exact same way. When we come to a fuller understanding of him, or what we call experiencing this higher Christian life, we will find that our prayer life will increase exponentially. Scripture will become, as it talks about in Hebrews, living and active to us. The Word of God will just open up and feed our souls. We will find that we have this natural desire. It's not anything we have to force or make ourselves do, but this natural desire to tell others about the wonder of this life with Christ that we are now experiencing, maybe for the first time. But all of the praying and Bible study and witnessing that we are now doing are manifestations of an inward change by the Spirit and are not something that we're doing to meet certain tasks or requirements in the flesh in order to earn His acceptance. In other words, we're doing this because of a change, because He's doing it through us, not doing these things in the flesh through drudgery on this treadmill because we think by doing it, God would say, okay, you scored an 85 on the test, come on up. I mean, his love and his acceptance are given to us by faith as a gift and not by works. Works follow faith. So just like salvation, when we come to the realization that we cannot live a holy life on our own and we surrender in total dependence to him by allowing him to live his holy life through us, then he, Christ, becomes for us by experience what it says in Colossians 1.20. He becomes for us, we experience wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Why? The rest of that verse, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We're to glory in him and not in our own accomplishments that we somehow falsely believe earned us the acceptance of God. Everything is given to us by grace, and everything that is given to us by grace is received by faith. Salvation, absolutely, but listen carefully, also sanctification. So today, when you pray, when you study the Bible, don't do it out of duty or a desire to earn something from him. Well, I'm going to increase my Bible study because I, I need a blessing from him or he'll love me more. Don't do that. Allow the Holy Spirit to compel you to do it out of love. Let the spiritual good things in your life not be done for the purpose of earning God's love, but as an outflow of his love as a response to his love, or as Romans 12, 1 says, as your reasonable service in response to the mercies of God. Next time we get together, we'll look at Matthew 14 and see this third truth played out for us in living color and the account of Jesus and these weary disciples who are striving and working hard like they always had done in the boat against the wind in their own strength and how Jesus comes and changes everything. I hope this has been a blessing to you. We'll talk again next time.